Well, good morning, ladies and gentlemen. This is the Truckers Podcast. I am your host, Doug, from Ontario, Canada. This is the 27th of November, 2021, Saturday morning, 9 a.m. Thank you for coming out and joining me this morning. gentlemen and uh yeah welcome to the show this is saturday morning at 9 a.m here in ontario canada i hope everybody out there um i hope you had a good week and here we are finally the weekend now of course lots of things have been happening over this past week and um just going to touch base on a couple of things here. Now, you know, over the course of this pandemic, uh, with the protests uh, going on out there, um, particularly, you know, with the anti-vaxxers, and, you know, doesn't rule out Canada, doesn't rule out Ontario, you know, where I reside. And what was happening um, with the protests with the anti-vaxxers when they decided to target hospitals, blocking emergency entrances, harassing patients and staff. And this is... You know, this is a long time coming. And why the government didn't um, do this from the get-go, I have no idea. So, the Liberal government, the Federal government of Canada. Now... What they're going to do here, and and this is really good too, you know, for people um, who um, have to be off work because um, of an illness, because they are sick. And this was a long time coming as well. And so the the liberal government introduces a bill to provide sick pay and ban intimidation of patients and healthcare workers. Now, see, back in the, like, late, late spring, you know, um, you know, the Ontario government finally got around to um, sick pay days for people who would have to be off work because, you know, they're sick. And the Ontario government only come up with three days of sick pay. And that wasn't enough. Now, the federal government is coming up with to provide workers in the federally regulated sectors with 10 days of sick pay. While also making, making it in offense to intimidate or prevent patients from seeking care or to interfere with healthcare professionals trying to deliver it. And that's even in the hospitals, on the hospital grounds, doesn't matter. Now this Bill C-3, which amends the criminal code and the Canada Labor Code which unveiled the other day by the labor minister. And, you know, with over, like I said, over the time of this pandemic, you know, so with this pandemic um, showed how lack of sick days left many workers at risk. 
He said that now is the time to close the gap that the, that the uh, pandemic exposed in our society's safety net. Well, here we are, you know, coming into really two years of this pandemic. Now, it's also important for our health and our safety and important for our economic recovery. And it's crucial to finishing our fight against COVID-19. Now, unfortunately, ladies and gentlemen, I'm sure that you watch the news or you listen to the news with this new variant coming out of South Africa. Now, potentially, it's already here. United States, Europe, Canada. And there's nothing that we can do about it. I mean, we opened, we reopened our airspace again, you know, for international travel. Now, there's the other thing here too, you know, it's important. Um, you know, there's something like 950,000 people work in the federal, in the federally relegu- uh, regulated private sectors. And about 583,000 of those workers have less than 10 days of paid sick leave and would stand to benefit from this legislation. And it's about time the federal government has done this. Now, how long this will last for, you know, throughout the, the term of this pandemic, who knows? I don't think it should change regardless. We are entering the flu season which is now. Now, what this um, legislation is going to do, and um, when it comes to people and specifically you know, this hopefully is going to be a wake-up call to these anti-vaxxers out there with your protests that actually are doing nothing. Is that changing anything? Oh, oh, it is changing something. It's going to change the criminal code because of your antics. You think you can intimidate and harass people over these vaccines or patient care. not so fast. So two new offenses under the criminal code. Now, what they're going to be is what's going to happen. Um, The abuse and the intimidation afflicted on healthcare professionals and patients at vaccination centers, abortion clinics, in hospitals. Protests against vaccine mandates and other COVID-19 related public health measures held outside of hospitals, you know, back in, back in uh, uh, early September um, were condemned by politicians and healthcare organizations and it was condemned by the general public what these people were doing. You know, it was unacceptable and unfair to staff and patients, you know, by the harassment that patients and healthcare professionals had to endure from these uh, uh, vaccine anti-vaxxers. The change to the criminal code create two new offenses meant to protect patients and healthcare workers from abuse. Now, the first offense it's going to make it illegal to intimidate healthcare workers and patients to prevent them from accessing healthcare services or prevent healthcare workers from administrating care. The second charge to the criminal code makes it an offense to bar anyone from accessing health services. And those convicted of either offense could face up to 10 years in prison. Now, 
drafting this new sentencing provision that will require courts to consider serious penalties for anyone targeting a healthcare provider at work. Now, it's important, ladies and gentlemen, that these anti-vaxxers out there get this clear message. That your antics and your foolishness and, and, and your behavior is just not going to be tolerated by anybody anymore. Now, in the light of this, you know, you know, before the pandemic, you know, 90% of nurses reported being exposed to physical violence on the job. During the pandemic, 60% of those nurses reported that the level of violence had increased. So this bill C3 moves swiftly through parliament and to see all federal parties jump behind the initiative. And it is necessary to have this bill to pass. Nobody should have to face abuse or intimidation from anybody. I can say to these anti-vaxxers out there, if you want to get vaccinated, don't get vaccinated. Just mind your own damn business. Everybody out there doing the right thing and getting the vaccine. And for somehow, and for some reason, it, it becomes this is against your liberties and freedoms. This is absolutely ridiculous. Thank you for joining me this morning. Now, I'm out here talking about this new um, legislation that the government of Canada is bringing forward. And this um, what is going to take place is that anybody who intimidates, harasses, physically, or any intimidation inflicted on healthcare professionals and patients at vaccination centers, abortion clinics, and hospitals. See, see back in September, ladies and gentlemen, if you haven't joined me before here on the Truckers Podcast. Anti-vaxxers decided that it would be a good idea to protest at hospitals and intimidate and harass hospital staff, block emergency entrances, and intimidate and harass patients going into the hospital. I thought this would be a really good idea. So, the federal government here in Canada has now wants to pass two new offenses under the criminal code. Now, what this is going to do is to, like I'll say, I'll, I'll say this again. The first offense makes it illegal to intimidate healthcare workers and patients to prevent them from accessing healthcare services or to prevent healthcare workers from administrating care. The second charge to the criminal code makes it an offense to bar anyone from accessing health services. And those convicted, either of these offenses could face up to 10 years in prison. It's probably, you know, this is a long time coming. You know, just like I said before you came on my show, and I'm going to say it again, you know, to these anti-vaxxers out there, if you don't want to get vaccinated, that's your business. How about mind your own business? Everybody out there doing the right things, rolling up their sleeves. Corporations, not, you know, including government, and even other businesses have already mandated vaccine policies for the workplace. Whether you work for the city, whether you work for Ford Chrysler GM, healthcare professionals have already mandated these rules into their, into their company policies over vaccines. 
Now, you either get vaccinated or you're suspended without pay and potentially even fired from your job. Now, I was reading an article the other day. The premier's daughter of Ontario, she's an anti-vaxxer. Her husband works for the police force in Toronto. He's also an anti-vaxxer. He's been dismissed from all duties. She's out there on social media crying the blues because her husband has been dismissed from all duties because he doesn't want to get vaccinated. The police force of Toronto has mandated this in their policies that all police officers and all public staff that work for the police have to be fully vaccinated. The Toronto Transit Commission also mandating uh, the vaccine policy. And then the, the, the union for the Toronto Transit Commission, you know, they try to take this to court and they lost. See, ladies and gentlemen, whether you want to, you know, believe this or not, this is entirely up to you. You know, this is a public health crisis. And from time and time again, you know, and, and, and you know this, and people, you know, you, you go and you listen to all the misinformation out there. You go and listen to all the conspiracy theories. You go and listen to all the conspiracy theorists. Go listen to whatever you want. The fact is, right? The fact is, is that this is a public health crisis. Now, this person here, um, I'll read it here. I'm, I'm sure you can see it here. What kind of punishment do you think a doctor should get for implementing an ex, uh, experimental medical device without someone's consent? Then has that person tortured and then the doctor never, well, you know, I, I figure, you know, in the medical world, that any doctor um, who does anything that uh, particularly that is a malpractice, um, you know, is subject to lawsuits, um, could be subject to uh, criminal offenses, um, you know, if, you know, in this sort of event. Um, well, if it's not a crime, then, you know, I don't know, but if there should be punishment, you know, doctors just can't do anything to anybody's body, um, without any consent. Sorry, I just missed you there. Now, here, when we're talking about, you know, these new laws, hopefully coming into effect here in, in, uh, Canada, um, there's something like over 200,000 nurses across this country um, welcomes this announcement, calling it a first step in recognizing the threats facing healthcare workers. Now, before the pandemic, 90% of the nurses reported being exposed to physical violence on the job. And during the pandemic, 60% of those nurses reported that the level of violence have increased. Now, in the light uh, of these new changes coming, hopefully, you know, parliament here in Canada, um, you know, hope that all governments um, work together here to get this passed because 
you know, this should have been talked about back in, in September, you know, when the anti-vaxxers are out there in front of hospitals and why in front of hospitals? I mean, doctors and nurses have nothing to do with the rules that the government makes when it, when it, when it comes to, um, um, lockdowns, stay at home orders, shuttering non-essential businesses. Hospitals have nothing to do with that. But it's over the whole idea, you know, about this pandemic. Now, in the light of this, um, hopefully this legislation goes through, in the light of this, um, you know, with the vaccines coming out now that is available for children ages five to 11, Now, the uh, Toronto police force is going to patrol the immunization sites as the vaccines for kids age 5 to 11 ramp up. Now, the Toronto police force say charges could be laid against those who will cause trouble at the immunization sites in the city that hinder families from getting their children their first dose of the vaccine. And the thing is here, ladies and gentlemen, is the safety is the utmost importance for the families who have chosen to get their children vaccinated. Now, in the city of Toronto, said its five immunization clinics will be running at full capacity this weekend. And as the vaccination for children ages five is going to start. So again, I'm gonna say this again to you anti-vaxxers out there. If you don't wanna get vaccinated, mind your own business. Don't go out and hinder and obstruct other people who are doing the right things. Just because your sorry ass doesn't want to get vaccinated. Because you see here, here in, in a lot of the provinces here across Canada, ladies and gentlemen, is that not only um, are the vaccine mandates and policies in, in corporations and in, in other companies. If you want to go to a restaurant, you want to go to a movie theater, you want to go to a sporting event, you want to go to a concert, you have to be fully vaccinated and you have to have the proof. That's the way it works. And that's too bad for anybody else out there who doesn't want to get vaccinated because those are the sort of things that you cannot do. And unfortunately, there's only when, well, you know what, there hasn't been a lot, but maybe almost a handful, maybe five, you know, establishments out there, restaurants out there who wasn't going to follow the rules and found out in a very fast hurry that, um, yeah, they are going to follow the rules and they would, would shutter your doors. We'd close your restaurant and you would have no business. And then the restaurant's owners will come on the next day in an article saying, you know, we apologize, you know, yes, we're going to follow the mandates, you know, if that's what it takes, right? If that's what it takes to get people to get in line, then so be it. You know, there was a bar in, in Toronto the other day 
how this come out, I have no idea, but they decided that um, they weren't checking for uh, vaccine uh, certificates and they were handing out free alcohol, which by the way is against the law. No bar can give you free alcohol. They have now lost their liquor license. But on the other side of the coin, ladies and gentlemen, I've been out here and and I've talked to you um, um, over um, homelessness. Now, this really, uh, I thought this was just really great. Um, You know, this this individual here, he owns a restaurant um, in the city uh, of Toronto. Um, he, he's 67 years old. And what he does, he does this every week. And I don't know why I've never came across this story before or even heard about this before. You know, what this, what this gentleman does, he cooks up. 600 meals a week for the city's homeless community. Uh, This man has a huge heart. You know, and he, and he's in his restaurant at like one o'clock in the morning preparing meals for the homeless community in Toronto. And he says he dedicates 10 hours to cook 25 lasagnas, pulling four trays out of the oven at a time while, while subbing in the next round of lasagnas. He makes shepherd pies, spaghetti, cheese and potato stuffed pierogies. He does this every single day. 600 meals a day he provides. You know, out out of his own inventory, out of his own pocket, this restaurant owner does this. It's always nice to have some, some things in the news despite of what all is going on in the world that we live in. And to have, you know, this sort of news come about from this restaurant owner, this is what he does. He cooks 600 meals a week for the homeless community. Now, recently, um, you know, here in the city, um, in Ontario, where I reside, um, with the work that um, the city is uh, doing and, and the organizations and services um, for the homeless. Um, last winter, they had a pilot project and they provided the homeless um, with um, office office trailers um, fitted with um, heat and and beds in in certain parts of the city. This year, they were doing the same thing, but they had decided that they were going to use three city-owned golf courses where they would provide these office trailers, you know, outfitted with beds and heat and services um, for homeless. Now, one particular city golf course here owned by the city, it was for the indigenous homelessness and they would have these trailers on on the uh, golf golf course site. now, what took place was, was actually was, was appalling 
you know, because the clubhouse there that was going to provide meals for them, you'll be able to um, shower. And, and of course, there'll be workers there providing the services that they need. Caught fire. And at the end of the day, they determined that it was arson. And then later on in the week, citizens uh, of the city that I reside in found out that it was a city worker who set fire to the clubhouse. Now, we all have heard this saying before when, when it comes to maybe injection, uh, safe, uh, safe drug injection sites, um, maybe another homeless shelter or whatever the case may be, not in my neighborhood. We hear people saying this from time to time, not in my neighborhood. You're going to put that in my neighborhood. Now, apparently with this city worker, he lived three doors down from this particular golf course where these um, outfitted office trailers were going to be put on site for the indigenous homeless. Now, apparently his home was up for sale and it was listed at about 2 million and he reduced the price to 1.6 million. And he sets fire to the clubhouse. And he works for the city. So he's on leave. He's been suspended with pay. You know, because the city is a corporation and the city, you know, and, and the workers have a union. So until the outcome of his case, which now, you know, isn't until like February when he will go to court over these charges of arson. He sets fire to the clubhouse so that this site, city-owned golf course, they wouldn't have these outfitted office trailers for the indigenous homeless. How pathetic is that? Somehow this individual thinks his shit doesn't stink. Despite being in a union or not, I really don't care that the city should have fired him. That's grounds to be fired. Union or not, you can shove the unions up your ass. Because at the end of the day, ladies and gentlemen, when it comes to unions, if a company is going to close its doors, there's nothing a union can do about it. And when it comes to a criminal act of arson, because you don't want something in your neighborhood, and then you only get, you get suspended with pay. I think what needs to happen here, not only should be, he be fired, we should be boycotting the sale of his house, protesting up and down his street, not to buy his house because he's an arson. He's an arsonist. He's a criminal now. Realtors shouldn't even touch his property. Go sell it on your own. Good luck getting $1.6 million for your house. You know, it's absolutely appalling when people like this individual, you know, I, you know, I can look at it. I can, I can call this racism. I can call this racism because it was indigenous homeless that was going to stay on that site. And he knew that. 
He knew what homeless people were going to be there, and it was going to be indigenous people. So I can I can call him a racist. And he sets fire to the clubhouse so that sight won't happen. But it doesn't matter. See, the, the, the community pulls together and they come up with a new site for these shelters to be put on property. And the services will be provided to these individuals to the indigenous homeless. Somehow in society, you know, when it comes to homelessness, addiction, mental illness, if something, an organization is looking at a potential site or a building to help these people and the people come along and say not in my neighborhood well whose neighborhood should it be in everybody lives in a neighborhood so what's the problem People complained for months on end when there was going to be a safe injection site just down off the beaten path of the downtown area and businesses around there complaining that they don't want these safe injection site around their businesses. Well, where are we going to put them? Because the services also who, for, for homeless people and people with mental illness or whatever the case may be, are in those areas. If they want to put one down the end of the street where I reside, go right ahead and put it down there. But I'm sure I know the neighbors around here are going to say, oh, not in our, not in our neighborhood. I don't know why people are like that. I, I don't get it. You know, last fall with this with this pilot project when it came to the homeless, down the end of the street, they put up these office trailers fitted, outfitted with, with heat and beds and services to provide. And that was at the end of the street. For the entire winter. So the changes came that not, you know, so the changes came that, you know, the city decided, okay, you know what, we're going to use three city-owned golf courses for these sites. And so they would, so, you know, talking to the community, talking to the, 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 uh, uh, the, the services uh, that provide uh, for the homeless and also talking to people who are homeless that they actually felt better being on the outskirts of the city for this pilot project, you know, instead of being, you know, where they are and being shamed, being shamed and intimidated and harassed because they're homeless. That's ridiculous. So they thought, you know, yeah, you know, this would be a good idea, you know, so we'll have it at the three city own golf courses, well, except for the one, you know, because the city worker, you know, decided that, you know, he's going to set fire to the clubhouse. Absolutely ridiculous. Thank you for joining for the people who are coming on the show. I'm your host, Doug, from Ontario, Canada. Um, I'll hear a couple topics, you know, um, what was uh, going on here um, in Ontario. Um across Canada uh, with the federal government um, coming up, uh, you know, changing the criminal code um, for those who um, going to go out there and harass and intimidate and threaten uh, patients, healthcare professionals 
um, that the penalties are going to increase and potentially you could be sentenced to 10 years. Um, you know, so we're really, you know, pointing the fingers at these, these, these anti marches and doing it in front of hospitals, which hospitals have nothing to do with mandating vaccines have nothing to do, uh, with, uh, the, the rules out there, what the provincial government enforces has nothing to do with it. And yet these anti-protesters go and protest in front of hospitals and harass patients, harass the staff, blocking emergency entrances, which by the way is illegal. So the government is going to come up with these changes and change a couple things in the criminal code to make it illegal to harass and intimidate and abuse patients, healthcare professionals in this country. And like I said earlier, the police services in Toronto are stepping up their efforts and their patrols around the vaccine clinics this weekend for children's ages 5 to 11 to receive their first dose of the vaccine. And they have the right to do this to get their children's vaccinated without the harassment of others. And like I said earlier to you anti-vaxxers out there, just because you don't want to get vaccinated, that's your business. Don't make it everybody else your business because it's not. It's my business if I want to get vaccinated. And oh, by the way, I am fully vaccinated. Everybody who chooses to get vaccinated, you have the right to do it without being harassed intimidated by anybody. Now the police force in Toronto are going to be patrolling these areas. If you're out there and you decide that this is going to be just a great place to target the anti-vaxxers out there, you're going to think twice. Because charges could be laid. You don't want to get vaccinated, then just go mind your own business. Leave everybody else alone. Now, getting back to this, this gentleman here in Toronto, man, I mean, my hat goes off to this restaurant owner out here, you know, cooking up 600 meals a week for the city's homeless community. That's just, that's just so awesome that, that this individual is doing this, you know? Then, of course, his restaurant during the day is all opened up for business um, for anybody who wants to go in there. And then I'm looking at his little menu, what, he, what he's got on here, and it's like, I don't live in Toronto, by the way, but, you know, um, I would certainly... Uh, see what he's got here i'll tell you i certainly go dine in this restaurant no problem there um but yeah it's nice to see people um doing um good things good deeds out out, out of the kindness of their hearts you know so many people 
you know, we've all gone through a lot throughout this pandemic. Loss of jobs. Unemployment insurance running out. You know, maybe maybe you live in a country where your government didn't didn't offer you aid. Well, here in Canada, throughout this entire pandemic, the government has done that. And it wasn't just one check or two checks. You got you you got so much money per month from the government every single month. And then over the period of time, as things start to change, so did the benefits. And as things started to slowly open up and people getting back to work, then we just wean people off these benefits. Now, Even though, you know, was, you know, schools have been back in, in full swing since, uh, since, uh, September, you know, I mean, it hasn't been smooth, smooth sailing outbreaks in the schools across the province. Some schools had to close for a period of time. And just recently, not too far from where I reside in a small community where the school had to close and it it will remain closed for 14 days. Kids will have to do online learning. And yes, our cases here, you know, across the province are slowly creeping up. It's not getting to the point where the government's going to say, oh, oh, no, we're going to have to go, you know, back into, you know, stage three opening plans. You know, not there yet. Hopefully we don't get there. I mean, you know, the province, you know, here in Ontario, like 16 million people, you know, um, something like 87%, 87% of people are fully vaccinated. So if you even have, you know, reported 900 cases out of a population of 16 million people in the province, it's not serious. I mean, don't like it, you know, in, in the, in the community, you know, or in the geographic area where I reside, I mean, it was, it's reported something like 125 cases. You know, we have, you know, we have a half a million people that live in the city that I reside in. They need a little surrounding communities too. So maybe 125 cases. The city alone that I reside in is something like 85% is fully vaccinated. And those numbers are growing every single day. Those percentage rates are growing every single day. And even more so now with parents getting their children vaccinated ages 5 to 11. And of course, I'm sure you all watch the news or read it on your on your electronic devices, or maybe you still buy the newspaper. I don't know. With this new variant floating around from South Africa. Don't be surprised if it comes to a city near you. And potentially it's already here in Canada. Potentially it's already here in the United States, in Europe. Countries around the world are now suspending flights out of South Africa. A little too late, maybe.
There's still lots to learn about this new variant. One of these vaccines that we have today for the Delta variant, right? Whether that's going to be effective or not, they have no idea. Now, when it comes to distribution of vaccines to poor, poor countries and other poor regions, you know, I don't think that we have done enough. I don't think we have distributed fast enough. And there's just things that we could just prevent if, you know, wealthy countries like Canada, United States, wealthy countries in Europe and other wealthy countries around the world had funneled more vaccines into the program faster and sooner than what we have. We cannot keep hearing of different variants popping up and potentially become, becoming more of a threat. to our communities in society or our societies all around the world. Nobody wants to go backwards. Nobody wants to have their businesses shuttered, stay at home orders. Nobody wants this. We don't want to go there again here in Canada. I mean, other provinces have, have their problems and, and have had their problems. And on top of this pandemic, if you watch the news, and I'm sure this is, has reached world news, as the, uh, the, uh, the weather disaster out in British Columbia. It is a serious crisis. And on top of that, with this pandemic, People have lost their lives. People are losing their livelihoods because of all the flooding going on. And this week coming isn't going to help. They have, have, are looking at more severe weather coming through that region. Already devastated by the floods. Washed out major highway. They're hoping, you know, by, by the end of next week or so that they can get that major route opened for transportation, for essential items, for essential services. Now, hopefully, you know, um, you know, the federal government, the prime minister of Canada, he was out in that region the other day, you know, um, being filled in on, you know, what this is going to cost for government aid to restore that, that region. And it'll be, it, it'll be in the billions because, you know, nothing's in the millions anymore. It'll be in the billions. Now, our premier here in Ontario, you know, he was um, he was calling for new COVID nineteen variant concerning as Canada implements travel bans. Um, And, and, you know, and, and, and for, um, of course, Canadians coming home from abroad, you know, if you're in those regions and stuff like that, obviously, um, you can come back to Canada because you're Canadian. But now the rules go back to what the travel restrictions were before entering Canada now you're going to have to be tested. And once you arrive in Canada, 
you'll have to quarantine in a hotel again. And, you know, that was a huge problem when it came to that, you know, and the ignorance of people that just because you're Canadian come back to Canada, it doesn't mean you're exempt from the rules and regulations when the federal government imposes these rules and regulations. It doesn't mean that you just walk into the airport, snub your finger at everybody and say, I'm not going to the hotel for three days or be tested. You know, you think that the, the officials don't know who you are? I mean, you just came off an airplane. Of course they know who you are. Those people eventually did get fined for not following the rules. And again, coming back into Canada, you know, implementing these rules again for Canadians coming home, that you have to wait for a negative test, you have to wait in a hotel. If you came from the African region. You know, so don't be too surprised, you know, um, with this new variant that it's already in your country. And I suspect that it's already here in Canada. We wait and see in the next few days, somebody will test positive for this new variant. They don't know how serious it is yet. I guess we'll have to wait to find out. Now, you know, even um, here in Ontario, where you know we're, we're start to um, log the highest daily COVID case counts since the beginning of September. You know, like I said, you know, even our, like our, our uh, educational minister saying, no, everything's fine, you know, with the schools and, and, and stuff like that. I mean, we've heard him say this before, you know, and for an example, um, last winter, um, last Christmas break, you know, all the kids would be coming back in the new year. The very next day, does a complete 180 and says no schools will be closed indefinitely. So as we're ramping up this campaign here across Ontario, here across Canada, you know, we're, we're coming to the end of November here. You know, Christmas is not that far off. I mean, the United States just celebrated their Thanksgiving. You know, we're not that far away from Christmas. We're not that far away from the Christmas break. And we want our children to be able to return to class in the new year. With the flu season upon us, and here we are going two years into this pandemic. We want to be able, not only do we want to be able to, we want to keep our children in school. We want to keep our businesses open. We want to keep people working. And it comes down to all of us, our behavior, our attitudes. That's what it comes down to. This is how you want to celebrate your holidays this Christmas season with family and friends 
to have that that Christmas gathering that we didn't get to have last year. Only with immediate family, only with the immediate household. Not anybody from the outside. This year we have that opportunity. So far, we have that opportunity. If these cases keep going up, we may not get that opportunity. It's what we do as people. Our attitudes and our actions and our behaviors and the vaccine is the way out of this. Whether people out there want to believe it or not, that's your prerogative. But if you can't take a moment in time and use your brain, then don't impose on others. Because the ones out there that are doing the right things are the ones out there is going to get us out of this. I certainly don't want to have to, you know, see businesses close down again. Like I said, you know, the non-essential businesses, of course, we need the essential services, but people need jobs. People, people need to work. Businesses need to survive. Business needs to thrive. And you and me are the ones that can make that happen. By doing the right things. That's your choice. It really is. It's your choice. But I'll leave you with that, ladies and gentlemen. And I thank you for joining me this Saturday morning here on the Truckers Podcast. I'm your host, Doug, from Ontario, Canada. Enjoy the rest of your Saturday, ladies and gentlemen, the rest of your weekend. Well, I'll be back out tomorrow morning at 9 a.m. And uh, hopefully you can join me then. And we'll sort of, certainly going to have, you know, I always find something. I always find something to talk about, you know, so... Um, join me tomorrow morning at 9 a.m. Like I said, enjoy the rest of your day or evening or night, whatever the time it is around the world from where you're listening to. I'm your host, Doug, from Ontario, Canada. Thank you for joining me. Take care. Be safe.